This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. There are many focus areas uh, of this new presidency about the, to, that we are going to be uh, dealing with. Creating jobs and building the U.S. economy is obviously at top of the list, with companies outsourcing work to other countries and some moving their operations out of the U.S. altogether. Bringing jobs back and keeping the ones already here is of uh, the utmost importance. Art Bilger is a 1975 Wharton grad who's the CEO of Working Nation, a company that is looking intently at the job market and the changes we have already seen and may very well see in the future. Art joins us here in the studio right now. Nice to meet you. Good to, me. for... Good to be here. Thank you. Uh, your organization did a report on the state of the job market prior to the election. Uh, what are some of the necessary things that, that probably the new president and his cabinet and, and the Congress need to address? Well, I think you've got to start first by understanding what the circumstances are out there. Because in my three-year journey that I have been following, uh, it has been uh, quite amazing to, I, to understand how little even the most sophisticated are out there are. I have laid this out to major news executives, foundations, corporate executives, People don't really, haven't really understood the magnitude of this and how quickly things are changing. Mm -hmm. And what happens came to me in a three, three years ago last month. I was in, uh, at a dinner in New York. Deutsche Bank had invited me to that dinner. It had nothing to do with this subject. It was about the U.S. government defaulting on its debt the next morning. But, and the guest speaker was Larry Summers. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I said, oh, that'll be pretty interesting. Yeah. I'll go to I don't even remember what doctor, and the, the dinner had about 125, 150 guests, all major investors, senior corporate executives. And I don't even remember what Dr. Summers said that took all the crap in the back of my head and brought it forward. Yeah. But when he opened it to questions, I was right in front of the podium. Yeah, they gave me a mic and I said, Dr. Summers, as a economist, as former secretary of the treasury and as an educator, can you explain to the audience here how the most advanced economic society on the planet will continue to thrive and possibly even survive with a 30% dropout rate from high school? Yeah. I said, we're talking about a third of the population doesn't have the skills for the jobs of today, let alone the jobs of 10, 20, 30 years from now. And then I said, and to compound it, we're doing something extremely well, putting aside cost, and that's longevity. So I said, here's the math. A third of the population drops out at 15, and we keep them alive to 85. Yeah. What do you do with the 30? Sure, yeah. I won't go into all the detail of the back and forth, but the reason I'm sitting here now is when he left the stage, I got up and went to the men's room, and a guy in the audience chased me down. And when I came out, another guy chased me down. Two more came to my table that night, each of them saying, my God, I've never thought about this. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, if these major investors and top corporate executives in New York don't understand this, then the average American doesn't. And that same, and I've been on this journey since, yeah. and it continues to happen to this day. So does corporate America, I mean, does it, obviously it didn't come into a lot of people's thought process 
maybe it's just the culture or, or where they are in their particular career and the company is in their in their life cycle that it doesn't even occur to them that that this is an issue i think it's well first of all the the way i look at it, it's really much broader than i laid out in that question yeah you know, i for purposes of the question i narrowed it down to basically just education and longevity yeah but when you add to that the one that's obviously talked about quite often you know <laughs> especially in the last presidential county globalization sure yeah okay you got to yeah. add that a billion people into the global workforce at lower price points than we work here yeah. great for the globe not so good for jobs here technology you know for 3 years i've been using the example of the driverless car sure, yeah. vehicle yep. now now it's on the front page of every newspaper in many states that's the number one job in this country and so when you take globalization you take just pure technology, you take longevity, more people stay in the workforce longer, and broken education. Put those four together. Yeah. Like never before, the slope of the curve, and that's the title of our first piece, and what I refer to there, slope of the curve of change in jobs and skills measured against time has never been as steep as it is today. And matter of fact, we don't even understand how steep it really is. And that's the issue. However, when you go into your question, when you're XYZ corporation, when they're just looking within their own, you know, four walls, yeah. they, what I've generally find, they don't have this much broader vision. They either know they're filling their jobs or in a lot of cases they're not, but they think, okay, we'll, you know, do some training and we'll, you know, fill the extra jobs that we so can. So how do you, how do you then, I mean, you have to put together a philosophy of, a variety of different things to be able to tackle that steepness of the uh, of the curve that that you mentioned, and it, it can't just come from from corporate America. It has to come from a variety of different sources, right? Yes. First of all, you have to recognize it. You got to create the awareness. Right. Uh, and after that, then our philosophy is the solutions are local. Okay. It's not to say that federal tax policy and budget policy can't influence, right. but the solutions themselves are created by corporations, by not-for-profits, by academic entities, by local government. And there are entities out there that are really doing very interesting stuff, but it has little to no visibility. And so a key part of what we're trying to do is, one, create awareness but through storytelling, and yeah. that's you know our, our whole process, and we launched in September. Obviously, the election last uh, week uh, made our job easier in terms of creating <laughs> creating awareness, um, because you know it's interesting. When I walked out of that Larry Summers dinner, I knew I didn't have to look out uh, ten to uh, twenty to twenty five years. Right. But I must say, I did think I had to look out five to 10 years. Right. And I patted myself on the back. All right, you got great vision, five to 10 years. Well, it turns out as we've watched Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders build their movements over the last year and a half, it has made the point, we don't have to look to tomorrow. It's here today. Sure. And so that, so that, and then Donald Trump's election last Tuesday, which I believe was very much facilitated by this whole by the pain sure. and discomfort Absolutely. at the local level. Yep. That's about economics and jobs. Yep. That's whether directly to to you as an individual or other family members, friends, neighbors, whatever it might be. So then in the short time, obviously, since the election, and obviously there's still so many pieces to this puzzle that have to play out, 
Are you optimistic that this is an issue that will be addressed in the in the near term? Because obviously it, it has to be, as you as you uh, as you allude to. I believe there will be tremendous action that'll take place with the the awareness. It's made my job of creating awareness much easier. Right. Okay. Now the key is both at the local level, getting corporations, you know, the not-for-profits, academics, and uh, local government to better understand and accelerate a lot of the programs that they're already thinking about. Right. And then, yes, there are federal policies that can influence it. I'm not an expert on federal policies. So I can't get into detail, but tax policy. Listen, the whole infrastructure job discussion that right. they're talking about now is one of the stories that we were going to actually tell. Well, and obviously, if if this is not addressed, you, you on, on the website referred to that we could be headed for a jobs crisis yes. in, in the next few years. How significant of one? Well, there are studies, I think it may be up on our website, the study out of Oxford, Oxford shows that uh, we could lose 47, I think it's 47% of all our jobs within 25 years. Uh, if you look at it today... Through automation and... and, and combination of yeah, globalization, globalization. Aut- automation, and the fact that we don't have the skills, Yeah, uh, that so many people don't have the skills that will be required for those jobs. There are many corporations out there today who will tell you they can fill the jobs. To, they have plenty of oh, jobs they can fill absolutely, today. Absolutely, yep. And they're developing apprenticeship programs, things like that, to reskill uh, uh, the workforce. So then, there. part of this has to be—it has to be. A, it seems like a little bit of a two-phased system to be able to correct this. Partly, it it needs to be the corporations themselves uh, taking people that are already in their corporation established and getting them into the the right scope of of job so that they can help in that new line, but also it has to be the education system as well, correct? Absolutely. You really got, the way I break it down, I try to break it into simple pieces. You got two levels here. First is the typical thing we talk about, and that is K through 12, community college, you know, set four-year college. Sure. That's an area we've talked about for a long time. There's clearly a lot that we still should be doing changes we ought to be making, recognizing how the jobs will be changing. It doesn't mean that, you know, you can't go get a liberal arts education, but even here uh, we were talking about, are there other new additions to the curriculum that seem to be a little bit uh, career-oriented or skills-oriented? So that's, you know, there's a lot that still has to be done there. But the, the other area that we really haven't had to talk about and it's one of the key areas that I'm, why I'm focused on this and uh, where we're putting emphasis, we're going to have to reskill the 48-year-olds yeah. in this country. Yeah. We haven't had to do that in this type of magnitude. Yeah. So that's, a whole, that's called, it's still called education, but it's a whole other thing that we really haven't had to do, but now projects are being developed for that. And, and I've heard that the, from some people that it, it may be a, a task that is harder to do, you know, in terms of the investment that you would need to make, that some corporations would rather choose to not invest in, in 
reinvesting in the 48-year-olds, and they would rather go with the 22, 23-year-olds, and, and it becomes almost a, a, a generation that just gets kicked to the curb. There's a risk of that. Um, we're actually, one of the issues in reskilling uh, that you know, somewhat older uh, workforce uh, is are they going to be prepared they individually, even if the corporations want to do it, yeah. will they be prepared to be re-educated? You know, we're, we're running some small projects, and we're already seeing the resistance level of those 48-year-olds to the concept of going back into a classroom. Now, I think there's some pretty interesting areas that I'm focused on, uh, the whole area of augmented reality yeah. for training and education purposes. I think it's a pretty interesting area and we're exploring that and I'd love to be able to tell that story. Uh, we're not there yet, yeah. but uh, you know, that's an example where you can train that, uh, that older workforce without having to sit them down in front of a blackboard or a whiteboard and we uh, do a lot of it. The other thing is setting up programs, internships, apprenticeship type programs inside corporations. Right. I can tell you that uh, Siemens Corporation is an example uh, who we've been speaking with. That I heard CEO uh, speaking one day at a conference, and he was talking about the inability to fill a lot of jobs here mm -hmm. in the U.S. Yeah. And so what they have decided, and I think they started about a little over a year ago, brought a uh, apprenticeship type program that you know, like in Germany, here, but just because of absolute need to uh, you know bring skills. Unfortunately, though, there probably aren't enough companies that are thinking along that line right now, and, and they do need to. And th and that's our job. Yeah. Our job at uh, Working Nation and the whole purpose is to, one, create awareness of these issues, but then the goal is then to highlight where will the jobs of the future be and yeah. what will be the mitigating strategies and solutions. So yes, do I want to tell the Siemens story? Do I want to tell the story of LinkedIn and the, the Markle Foundation, the pilots that they've set up in uh, Denver and uh, Phoenix yeah. for reskilling the middle skill workforce? These are just newly launched pilots, so there's much detail on it. Um, what Siemens is doing, many other companies could do, but they got to learn about it. Same thing with not-for-profits. Yeah. You've got loads of not-for-profits working on really interesting things. One of the pieces we published uh, put uh, put on the air courtesy of Time Inc. and uh, Fortune Magazine's platforms uh, uh, two weeks ago this past Wednesday. It was a 10-minute uh, piece by uh, Barbara Koppel, two-time Academy Award winner. Yeah. It's on the organization Year Up. Year Up is a terrific organization yeah. in 14 cities. They're rolling out L.A. now. It creates a gap year for, and this is for the underprivileged, right. but you must have a high school diploma. They create a gap year, six-month training they give you, and then they get you an internship in a major corporation for wow. six months. I already, by phone, uh, a just your average billionaire in the Midwest uh, saw that episode. I was on the phone uh, with her, and she said, I want to explore possibly bringing this to my, my city. Right. Just by watching. So that's the type of thing we're trying to do here. So in, in the case of Europe, you talk about just an organization that is taking the time to care and to be able to step in and have some wherewithal to be able to make change, whatever level that change ends up being. Why don't we have more of that? 
I mean, we could probably be here for an hour <laughs> and talk about We've that. Got, listen, we, we're a country of 325 million people, yeah. and we are spread out with very different mentalities and understandings. And plus, going back to my original comment, things are changing so quickly, yeah, like never before. Yeah. And our systems, you know, the governing systems of our nation, you know, government broadly defined, education broadly defined, and even employ employers broadly defined, none of them are moving quickly enough yeah. given the changes. Uh, you know, I'll give you a ex funny example. I was speaking to with an economics professor about a, a year and a half ago. It was the only time I ever got any pushback on this idea. He listened to me for an hour, and they said, Art, I hear you, but the data just doesn't show it. Huh. What are you talking about? I just happened to say, through what date are you uh, looking at data? He said, uh, 1998. <laughs> yeah. I said, Professor, I don't think Mark Zuckerberg was born in 1998. Yeah. And then he went on to say, Art, the, your, your theories and your arguments, we've lived with them for centuries, but we always seem to manage through them. And then he said, we even made it out of the Great Depression. And I said, Professor, I'm Great, not, Great I'm not, Depression was 100 years ago. I, no, I said, Professor, I'm not suggesting all humans are going to disappear. I just want to minimize the need for a world war to solve the problem. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, uh, let's uh, talk for a second mm -hmm. about uh, you mentioned autonomous vehicles uh, and just autonomous technology in general. Uh, that's going to change the job market endlessly. It, it already is. Uh, and uh, the interesting story that we mentioned uh, a few weeks ago is the fact that Budweiser made a, a delivery, a, you know, with an autonomous truck, you know, in Colorado. I mean, just the trucking industry alone is one that is seen that could have massive change in terms of its labor force in, in the next decade or two. And uh, drivers, for you know, people who drive for a living, whether trucks, taxis, yep. buses, whatever— in some states, it's one of the largest jobs. So we are talking, and yes, I'm not quite sure at what period of time this all right. takes place, over the next 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, but you are talking about a dramatic uh, change in, in employment in this country. And those are a key reason, I should say, that I'm doing this is because another thing that's different this time is this time it's about the heart of America. It's not just about the bottom 20%. Right. Yeah. Uh, this is about the lower middle class, the middle middle class, the upper middle class. Um, you know, example I use all the time is when I say when the movie Waiting for Superman was made, the people in, on Park Avenue in New York thought it was a terrific movie. Yeah. But someone else's issue. What I'm talking about here is this is about the children and the grandchildren of yeah. the people on Park Avenue, either directly in terms of their own jobs, an example I'll give you is a Wall Street Journal article about a year ago, data, the next middle management, and the whole area of data and analytics, and how a marketing department of 10 becomes a marketing department of two, yeah. and you get better answers. Well, guess yeah. what? Those were good jobs. Uh, or indirectly it affects them. What's a society like? What's our society like with 25 30 35% unemployment? Uh, I don't know. But uh, And it's not also just about feeding people because one of the things that you hear out of, you know, certain circles, the concept of, you know, like, uh, providing people with a minimum income. Right. You know, one, I don't know how you afford that, but even if you could afford it, there's still something about what do people do? 
you know, with sure. themselves. Yeah. Purpose in life is, you know, I think an important piece of, uh, you know, the stability of a society. Well, and, and partly also it, it goes to the, the changes we've seen in terms of how people want to work or where they want to work, you know, and the flexibility to be able to have a job that, you know, if you need to work from home a couple of days a week, we have more companies that are willing to do that. We still have some that, you know, are, are not as receptive to that. Going with these changes and, and working with the employees to make them comfortable and make them feel like they are contributing more, that's a big piece to this chip that that a lot of people, I think, are still trying to figure out. Yeah, no, I I absolutely agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. We, with tech, technology is not all bad from a job standpoint. Right. To your point you're making, it provides flexibilities. Uh, listen, the work I'm doing, you know, I'm, on, I'm literally in two different cities every week. Yeah. I'm on planes every week. I'm able to work. Uh, I have two assistants back in uh, Los Angeles where I live. Uh, if I'm not in the office, they're working from home. Yeah. It makes their lives a lot easier, but still, you know, they're working working hard yeah. and getting a lot uh, a lot done. So what end up being the, the, the biggest challenges that we have to tackle as a country then going forward here? Um, it's a great question. <laughs> yeah. I do think we have to get beyond politics uh, and come together on this. Right. One of the messages that we will be sending via the content we're producing is that we're all in this together. Sure. Uh, because we are. Because if we have, you know, even though you might have a job, you know, if there are 10 people in another state who don't have a, a job, you know, it's it's not the stability of this nation, you know, becomes uh, questionable. Right. Uh, so I really do believe uh, that we, we all have to, you know, understand we're all in this together. Uh, then, and again, and then again, we have a lot of really, a lot of good things that are actually being developed out there. Yeah. You know, I don't even know where you have to develop a lot of new solutions. Right, right. But it's accelerating you know, year up, as an example, year up ought to be in 50 cities or 100 cities. Right. Uh, or if they can't expand like that, someone else sees the year up idea, they start developing uh, something like that. I just use that as an example because we've already published that. Uh, but I'm finding, our team is finding solutions uh, throughout. Here, let me give you another example of something. That, yeah. This will be obvious to you, and this will be a story we uh, tell the number one job in this country to be created in the next 10 to 15 years, home health care workers. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I absolutely. think we're talking something like three to four million jobs. Yep. You yep. can't fill those. Yep. Okay. Well, yeah. we're talking very actively with an organization called PHI National out of New York, which is a not-for-profit that works in the area of training home health care workers. Right. We are going to tell that story. You know, it's a low-end job. But we got 325 million people. Who yeah. We, uh, so that's an example of the type of thing that we will uh, be. That whole forward. baby boomer generation is is heading in, heading that direction. So it's you know you need the people to take care of them. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, we wish you all the best with this. Uh, for people that would like to read more of uh, of uh, Art's work and and the people that he works with at Working Nation, the website is workingnation.com. Lots of great stories there uh, that look at the uh, the the future of of work here in America. And again, briefly, but it, it's it's important at least that the discussion is happening right now, correct? Exactly right. 
That, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. And but as I said, we we've been at it, but now I do think the positive side of the election that took place uh, last week is that this now this really brings this to the forefront. Yeah. And so now we can. So we're we're excited. Great to have you here. Thank nice you very meeting much. you. Thank you, Thank Art Bilger, uh, CEO of Working Nation. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.